and welcome to Social Justice, Reflections in Action. I'm Austin. I'm Daisy. And I'm Sean. And we are Grand Valley students enrolled in the Diversity in the United States course, ready to inform you on a recently hot topic in today's political time. Today in the U.S., we are faced with several societal issues, one of which we will be talking about today. Recently, there has been a wide wide controversial issue with immigration in the United States, a topic that is rather difficult to understand without a bit of history. Ever since anyone can remember, immigration has always been a problem with no foreseeable solution. The earliest known immigration laws in the United States are the Page Act of 1875 and the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. The Page Act of 1875 restricted the immigration of forced laborers coming from Asian countries, specifically those who were immigrating to work jobs such as prostitution. The Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882, however, halted all immigration of Chinese laborers, legal or not, and was considered by many to be the first major immigration restriction enacted by the United States. At the time bans and exclusions were placed, they were placed on criminals, those with contagious diseases, anarchists, and beggars. The United States moved from bans and exclusions to allowing limited numbers of immigrants from certain countries, which was true until the current administration. Executive Order 13769, also known as the Muslim Ban, was signed by the president which banned the entry of people from seven different Muslim-majority countries for 90 days into the United States. This was the first time in a long time a ban had been imposed against a certain group of people. This administration also brought out a lot of conversation about the issue of immigration, primarily immigration through the Mexican border. Punishments, of course, are put into place for those who cross the Mexican border illegally. For their first proper entry offense, an individual can be fined in prison for up to six months or both if they cross the border illegally. For attempted re-entry, the individual can be fined in prison for up to two years or both. When this occurs, everyone involved in the entry is affected. Those entering, coyotes, and even those awaiting them on the other side. Now we will hear a story of a young girl and her experience with immigration by Daisy. This is a story of a young girl from Gomez Palacio, Durango, Mexico, whose father worked as a barracero. He would go to the U.S. during the summertime and work in hard labor in fields of California, Oregon, and Texas. She talks about how she felt helpless and terrified watching her father leave in ugly buses through chicken wire fences. She would ask why he would not take her with him to the land of opportunity, but she now knows why. Mexicans were undesirable in cities, Texas most of all. People would be deported for simply looking Mexican. These people were all called all kinds of names and banned from many places except for the fields. Her next mission as she grew older and got married was to not be discriminated as her father was. She had to move to Kansas with her family and worked in a meatpacking factory. The difficulties her father overcame made her who she was. She finally got a teaching degree in 1998 as a Spanish teacher and is very thankful for her father's sacrifice. Hello, I'm Austin and I will be discussing some recent events in relation to immigration. The first event I would like to discuss is a story from NBC News that was published this March. This story talks about how illegal border crossings from Canada are on the rise. More than 960 people crossed into the U.S. illegally from the northern border with Canada last year, according to the data released from Customs and Border Protection. This number represented a 91% increase from the prior fiscal year. This is eye-opening to me because so much attention has been placed on the southern border of the United States by our current administration. 
A large percentage of that spike came from the Swanton border patrol sector along, along the border of New Hampshire, Vermont, New York, where agents apprehended 548 people in 2018, up from 165 in all of 2017. Border Patrol agent Richard Ross, who runs the station in Newport, Vermont, which is part of the Swanton sector, told NBC News he thought the apprehensions were definitely trending upward. He added that the type of apprehensions agents were seeing were very organized, sometimes using smuggling organizations. This shows the rhetoric used by the current administration, focusing, focusing primarily on the southern border and not other ways of mass entry into the United States may be flawed. Also, the common rhetoric about the southern border talks and organized drug smuggling, but it also seems to happen from the northern border. With so much attention on Mexico, it may be perceived that crossing the northern border is safer because less attention is paid to it. Uh, the next recent event I would like to talk um, about in regards to immigration is about President Trump and his continual ordering of construction of the southern border wall. Uh, I won't get into whether or not this should or should not happen. I'll just discuss what has taken place in regards to the wall because it is one of the most famous current issues with immigration going on. Back in January 2017, Trump signed an executive order ordering that the uh, wall be built along the southern border and also calling for 5,000 additional Border Patrol agents and 10,000 new Immigration and Customs Enforcement officers. The wall itself would cost a lot, um, about $15 billion total or $3 million to $10 million a mile. And that's according to NPR. Uh, the Washington Post estimate was even higher at $20 billion. His original plan was to have Mexico fund the building of the wall, but that seemed to get nowhere. Trump contends that it will Mexico, or benefit Mexico as well by cutting down on the, another, the number of people from Central America crossing through that country. Trump has not backed off his hope of building the wall. The border was still, or the border wall was um, the major sticking point during the last government shutdown. Um, and this shutdown lasted 35 days, and it was the longest in U.S. history. So now I will turn it over to Shad to discuss physical and psychological effects of immigration. Research shows that discrimination-based stress has very negative health outcomes. One group of people that face this type of discrimination are immigrants, not only those from South America, but also those from Asian and African countries. Immigrants who come to the United States usually work in areas American citizens don't want to work in themselves. They work in areas such as cleaning services, maids, babysitters, repairmen, and other jobs that are seen as inferior. This occurred especially after Hurricane Katrina, as we read in week eight reading passport to the new west where immigrants came from south america and cleaned up after the damage of the hurricane a job no one else wanted to do when immigrants come to the united states they usually have to leave behind family friends belonging and loved ones to find a new home and life here in the states many of them are left with guilt loneliness and sadness guilt usually comes from daughters and sons leaving their parents or parents leaving some or all of their children behind until things get better or they have enough money to bring them in as well. Not only are parents and adults affected, but also the children that immigrate. In schools, anti-immigration views from peers and teachers create increased tardiness and absences, poorer grades, bullying, and other stress-inducing symptoms. Heightened levels of stress, especially in children and teenagers, can lead to mental and physical health problems such as heart diseases, diabetes, depression, anxiety, and even some type of cancers. 
As if the tolls taken on immigrants wasn't enough, recently executive orders were signed which allowed border patrols to separate families. In these cases, the children that were separated would be sent as far as Michigan with foster parents until a solution was reached. The parents would go to jail and wouldn't be able to see their children for a long time. The children who were not sent away to foster homes were treated horribly, locked in cages, and even mocked by security guards. Although the orders were given, there are actually no federal laws or regulation that require children to be separated from family members at the border unless they pose a threat to the children, which definitely was not the case in this situation. Thanks, Shad. I will now be talking about the week eight readings from class that dealt with immigration. The first reading is from... The Muslim Girl, this reading touches on the tendency of Americans to view Muslims as terrorists. The reading talks about how the author, being Muslim, is subject to ridicule and profiled as a bad person occasionally because of the tendency of Americans to associate terrorism with being Muslim. This is an obvious case of Islamophobia and how it exists in our culture. The author discusses how if there is a mass shooting and the killer is white, then it seems to be just one crazy white guy. But if a Muslim does it, the killing is seen as a terrorism act, and the whole Muslim religion is blamed for the incident. The second reading from week eight is Passport to the New West by Jose Orduña. Um, This article discusses Orduña's experience with a humanitarian aid group. He witnessed just how roughly people crossing the border are treated. He discusses a case where he rescued some men who were clearly dehydrated, and an officer came and took the men and dumped their water. Um, This should be a human rights violation. The thing from this reading that stuck out to me most is when Ordunia says, since 1998, nearly as many people have died trying to cross the southern border in the United States as there were U.S. soldiers killed in Iraq. This line goes to show how poorly those people are treated, and it makes it seem as if there's a mass murder of people coming to the United States seeking freedom. The last reading from week eight is how immigrants become other. Um, This reading discusses the struggle of families with mixed citizenship status. It also touches on the difficulty of becoming a citizen and the large amount of children faced with the task of deciding whether or not to stay in America after their family gets deported. Families are torn apart, and this reading touches on that. All of the readings I have mentioned discuss Im- issues with immigration and shows how shows issues associated with immigration. I will now turn it over to Daisy to talk about frames in immigration. Some of the frames commonly used within the immigration debate by journalists is the phrase illegal immigrants. It fundamentally frames the problem as a legal problem. For example, think for a moment of a criminal. Who is a criminal? What do criminals do? Criminals are bad people. Chances are you thought of a robber, a murderer, or a rapist. These are examples of individuals that harm others or that will violate personal property. Illegals defines immigrants as criminals, as if they are inherently bad people or people who break the laws and must be punished. Now the term illegal alien illustrates the criminality that is assigned to an individual but also stresses otherness. Aliens in popular culture implies non-human beings, beings completely foreign and not one of us. Along those lines, invasion is used by Minutemen, a right-wing blogger that describes the wave of people crossing the border as an invasion. These terms are not neutral terms. It is, it is not reasonable to call a businessman who once cheated on their taxes an illegal businessman. By, de- by defining them as criminals, it overlooks a contribution immigrants make by working hard for low wages. 
their intent is not to cause harm or steal, more accurately, they're committing a victimless offense, which is considered violation. The frame illegal, specifically illegal alien, dehumanizes. It blocks the question of why are people coming to the U.S. oftentimes at great personal risk? What service do they provide when they are here? Why do they feel it necessary to avoid legal channels? To answer these questions, most, most immigrants come to the United States for economic opportunity or to flee violence and poverty occurring in their birth country. Immigrants pay an average of $11.64 billion in state and local taxes a year. On average, an undocumented individual has about 8% of their income go to taxes. All immigrants, regardless of status, will contribute approximately $80,000 more to taxes than government services used over their lifetime. There is no line available for current immigrants. The regular channels are regularly not available to prospective immigrants who end up entering the country through unauthorized channels. Even though most immigrants have lived in the United States for nearly 15 years, many could live the rest could live out the rest of their lives without an opportunity to become legal residents of this country. Thank you all for joining us today as we talk about the issues surrounding the controversial topic of immigration. We hope that you will take the information learned from us today and use it in a beneficial way, if not to help others, then just to understand the complexity and form your own conclusion on the topic. Thank you.